the Plowright Prize recognises an individual who has made significant contributions to the field of infectious diseases in animals. In memory of Walter Plowright, the prize is open to veterinary surgeons, veterinary nurses and research scientists working in Europe and the Commonwealth. Hi everyone and welcome to this RCVS Knowledge podcast. I'm Amanda Bogue and I'm Chair of the RCVS Knowledge Board of Trustees. Today I'm really delighted to be here with Professor Herman Barkema from the University of Calgary. Herman is the winner of our 2022 Plowright Prize for his incredible research into mastitis, Yoni's disease and antimicrobial resistance. Amongst uh, many other things, I noticed as a small animal vet, there was a Neospora paper back somewhere in, in, in your, your past as well, as well, Herman. You've had an incredibly diverse, rich career. But first of all, just congratulations on winning the prize. Um, how, how do you feel about it? Incredible. I um, had not expected this um, at all. I think it's the biggest prize in uh, in veterinary medicine actually in the world, and to to get this uh, is is just incredible. And, but you know, I I want just want to emphasize that that this is because of my work with all kind of different teams. Eh? So there are very very many people involved in uh, in my research. In my opinion, you you get to a lot better research when um, yeah, when you get basic scientists involved, uh, economists, people that uh, specialize in policy, so a very diverse group of, uh, of people, and then a huge number of, of graduate students uh, and postdocs, uh, of course, and uh, so, so it's uh, for the team, it's one for the team. Yeah, yeah, very good. And I think I think you were were you in in Dublin when you found out you'd won and managed yep. to have a a pint of Guinness with um with some of yeah. your colleagues. Well, let's 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 keep it with one pint of Guinness then. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit more. And yes, I was was really happy, and uh, so uh, so I invited some friends for uh, a dinner, uh, a Guinness, and an Irish whiskey. Very good. That sounds like a good way good way to celebrate. And it was it was it was so wonderful to meet you back in in June in person at, at the Royal College Day when the awards were made. So um, I said absolutely lovely after the, the years recent years we've had to, to meet you in person all the way over from Canada. Um, how did you how did you enjoy that day? How did you find that day? I, I thought it was very well organized and very nice com combination of. Uh, more traditional celebration and and also yeah really happiness uh, really joy uh, around it um, I learned that uh, a high tea in in the UK actually uh, I, I looked for the tea couldn't find it uh, so there's a, a lot of things that you guys drink at a high tea but not a lot of tea and uh, it was it was very it was very well done and uh, yeah a very happy day. Good, good. And as I said, it was just lovely to ha have you there in person and be able to to have you you join the, the broader celebrations and um and particularly for RCVS knowledge to be able to award award the Plowright uh, award that day. So, so, so as, as I mentioned at the top, the the, the Plowright Prize is is uh, awarded for research into infectious disease, and you've had a broad 
a broad career covering a range of different um, diseases. I think probably the ones that stand out as the biggest areas of your work are, I think, mastitis, Yoni's disease and antimicrobial resistance. Do you think that's, is that a fair reflection of your, um, the breadth of your work? Yeah, it, it, um, is it a reflection of the breadth of my work? It, it is the core of, of what, what I do. Um, and uh, I started with, uh, with mastitis in my PhD. Yeah, I started my PhD when I was 32 years old. And uh, so, and I finished it when I was 38. Um, so, and I continued with mastitis. And mastitis actually led me to antimicrobial use and antimicrobial resistance. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I was doing my PhD, my uh, supervisor uh, unfortunately died at the, at the Dutch, uh, at the animal health service. And I also, uh, yeah, then took over the, uh, not the official supervision, but really helping the, the other uh, graduate students with epidemiology. And, and Joni's disease was one of the areas that, uh, that one of the grad students was working in. And, and, and Joni's disease actually uh, then later on led me to Crohn's disease in, in people. And that's where One Health uh, came in. So, and I've really, you know, I, I really like working with people. And, and so, so, and it doesn't matter whether they're human doctors or veterinarians, but when you tackle diseases like, like Joni's disease, you, you need to involve uh, also gastroenterologists, uh, if you work on Crohn's disease and immunologists and, and look yeah. at the, yeah, the resemblance of these, these two different diseases. So, uh, and I continued, I became a professor in, uh, in the human, uh, human medicine uh, also, uh, also in infectious diseases. So, uh, and I spent a lot of time in that area. And at this moment, I lead One Health at UCalgary, where we uh, have a, uh, a large number of people from all kinds of areas uh, involved. And that's science, engineering, nursing, human health, law, and of course, also veterinary medicine. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's so cool. It's it's really interesting how careers take twists and turns, and you get introduced to different concepts yep. and then adopt them. And do you ever have you ever are people ever surprised that it's a veterinarian that's that's leading the kind of work that that you do, or do you think that's very accepted? You know, it it is accepted, but there are always some people um, that. In yeah, some people in human medicine look a bit down on veterinarians, and that's because they have never worked with veterinarians. Mm -hmm. So if they and that's the problem that we have in universities, that's the the silos that we have. The uh, veterinary students and the medical students hardly ever see each other. And mm -hmm. uh, when you want when you want people to work together, there needs to be trust, and and trust is only generated when you. Uh, yeah, when you work together and 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 see how well-rounded off veterinarians are, and and once they 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 work with you and 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 they get to know you, uh, yeah, they see they that it's fun and that uh, yeah, a lot of good things arise from that. Yeah, 
No, that's brilliant. So do you have any examples that you use if you are working, said particularly with people who come from different healthcare backgrounds than vets, so typically human medicine, do you have any examples that you like to give them of, of where um, the veterinary research has really, really, really supported that One Health agenda? And to make Microbial resistance is, is of course, a, a problem that needs to be tackled by a multi or transdisciplinary group of, of researchers. So that's, that's the example, I, uh, I would say. Yeah. And uh, we actually uh, are, yeah, are running an a antimicrobial uh, use and resistance program for the government of Alberta. And there, the Alberta Ministry of Health, uh, Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry, and Ministry of Environment all work together. Yeah, so we, we have an executive team from all these areas, and, and we as One Health at UCalgary uh, run it, uh, but with people from all kinds of backgrounds uh, uh, in there. And it, I mean, certainly looking at your, your um, CV and how you progress that kind of theme of a transdisciplinary or multidisciplinary approach is one that, that really comes through and is, is not something that everybody does. So when did you start to, at what point of your career did you start to think about the benefits that that um, transdisciplinary approach brings? It, it was actually during my PhD. I had the, yeah, you know, when I entered the dairy farm, I, I got the impression that I already knew what the bulk tank somatic cell count was when I just entered the farmyard and spoke shortly with the farmer. But then when I mentioned that to my supervisor, uh, Inte Schucken, uh, and he said, yeah, Herman, that's all nice, but you really need to measure that. So I went to Wageningen University to Jan Douwe van der Ploeg, who is an agriculture sociologist. And, and there we started working on that. And, and so, and actually then I found out that uh, the, yeah, the best predictors of, of, of the bulk tank somatic cell count was not whether they uh, use dry cow treatment or do post-milking tea dipping or, you know, the, the really known uh, risk factors for contagious yeah. mastitis, uh, but it was more whether they were uh, clean and accurate versus quick and dirty. So, and and we measured that with all kinds of, of of variables. So, to, and that explained about seventy five percent of the difference in bulk things cell count. Yeah. So that was a very good experience with an with a sociologist. So really right from almost right from the very beginning of your research career, that kind of benefit of that eyes wide, bigger picture. One of my grad students uh, worked on uh, yeah, retained placenta in Frisian horses. Yeah, we, we saw some differences there with, uh, with the management of, of those horses. But then we, we wanted to look also at the genetics. And, and then we, we, we found that inbreeding really was a problem. But then what in inbreeding does, does cause that problem? So we went to an immunologist and, 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 and we looked at the immunology of it. And then we, then we saw that when uh, 
yeah, the foal and the mare are actually genetically quite close, that the, the placenta is actually not expelled because it's not seen as a foreign body. So those are, you know, and that is so rich. I mean, you can then work as an epidemiologist, but then when you then really find out what causes it, that, that is, yeah, then you can start doing something about it. So then thereafter, we started with the Frisian Horses uh, organization and and to to avoid that. Brilliant. Yeah, that, that kind of that, the, the breadth of knowledge that is out there and then bringing it yeah. all together and joining up. It's amazing. And what do you think, if you look back on your career, who do you think are maybe the most um, surprising people you've collaborated with? Where if I'd said to you, the 20 year old Herman, you'd end up working with an expert in X, you'd go, no way. No, the 20 year old Herman was uh, a, uh, a veterinary student who partied a lot and, and didn't <laughs> think uh, about these things yet. I, I really had to grow and mature and and I went to Costa Rica first when I was 28 and I became manager of a, a large dairy and beef herd there. And, and, and it was only when I was 32 that I started my research career with my PhD. And, and so, uh, whew, what you know, I would say the most surprising uh, ones were farmers. Okay. And, and I learned a lot from, from farmers. I had 300 farmers in my, uh, my PhD and, and their observations actually taught me a lot. Yeah. And, and I've met so many great people yeah. And when you then come close to them and, and practitioners, veterinary practitioners will know that, you know, it's, yeah, being invited for weddings and funerals and for, for being, yeah, it, it's, it's, and becoming part of the family nearly. Is, yeah, make, is, make friends as well. So as rich. Yeah, and I noticed you mentioned you were in Costa Rica early, very early in your career before you, before you started focusing on, on research and I was going to ask about that. You, you've obviously worked in the Netherlands and you're now based in, in Canada. And I think it looks like you're a, a, um, a guest professor at, at Ghent in Belgium. Is, is, that, is that right? So you've yeah, got I, a... I, I stopped it, but, but I, that. And, okay. yeah, and then also in Beijing. Yeah. Okay, um, wow. And I worked in Zimbabwe also uh, for, for, for a while. And, and that's, oh. yeah, that's what you can do as a veterinarian. Yeah. yeah. Already when I, was a student and I hitchhiked uh, everywhere. If I got stranded somewhere, I, I looked up where the veterinarian lived. And mm -hmm. then I knocked on the, at the door and they were always happy to, to take you in. And, and then the next day you go um, with them in the practice, which is great when, you, when you're traveling around. How, power of people, power of yeah. people. Yeah, it's, it's all about people. Yeah. It is. It is. So, so I guess returning returning to research, you're um, again looking through your CV. I think you've, you've got over three hundred and seventy papers um, that you've published over your career, which is a, a phenomenal number and involving, as you've mentioned, huge numbers of, of graduate students, no doubt over over that time. Can you can you pick? between them one of your most maybe the, the project that you remember as being most special to you whether that's hardest to get off the ground or or one that really kind of 
across all of that amazing uh, publication record? What, what really stands out to you as being a special one and why? You know, I, I was very satisfied. I'm still very satisfied with what I could do during my uh, PhD. And, and, and we used the data thereafter for a lot of graduate students. And so, uh, so we, you know, we, we published 32 papers out of, out of my PhD research. Yeah? And, and just because thereafter a geneticist uh, looked at it. Yeah? Okay. And, and, yeah. and so we had all kinds of different people uh, looking uh, at the same data set. Yeah. And, you know, and, and um, I really like uh, the Joni's disease research that we have done together, Jeroen de Buck, uh, uh, bacteriologist and myself, at um, the role of calves in uh, the transmission of, uh, of, of, of Joni's disease, of, of mycobacterium peritoboclosis infection. Had, um, calves are often actually ignored because they are seen as very difficult uh, to test. But if you ignore the calves in uh, the control of Joni's disease, you will never be able to, uh, to eradicate it. So that's what we're working on right now. And we're building all the time uh, those trials where we at different ages infected the calves and, and looked what, what happened. And then we did a trial where we looked at uh, what the transmission was of calves when you house them together. And, and yes, one calf could infect three other calves. And and so we're now looking in, uh, yeah, on farms, what we can can do with that, because I I think that you generate hypotheses for what you see on the farms, then yeah. you under controlled circumstances look what is actually happening, yeah. then you think about uh, what you could do on farms, and then you test that again on uh, on farms to see whether it holds true and. And, and then you often need to tweak it. Yeah, so, so, yeah, the Joni's disease research was uh, is still frustrating and satisfying, both. Because yeah. that is one difficult disease to tackle. Yeah. And so you've really seen that the disease, you say, through from the, the practicalities on a farm through to the really kind of almost laboratory science of yep. it. And then, then that's a, which is, I think, probably quite unusual for a researcher. Is, is that something that you? Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunately unusual because great research happens when people work together and people from different backgrounds. I always, with my grad students, I make sure that I have a, co-supervisor that with, with complementary knowledge uh, mm -hmm. there and it's, so if you me as a more clinician epidemiologist and then a bacteriologist or an immunologist do the co-supervision then yeah you see how they they look at the diseases quite differently yeah, yeah. from different angles and and uh, and then you yeah then you really build something uh, very special don't know, but your reflections on this would be interesting. I think research can often, and quite rightly is often, about following process and there has to be a lot of detail, but actually it can be an extraordinary creative um, initiative as well. So, so, so what do you feel about that balance between process and structure and creativity in, in a research career? You need to keep your eyes open for what's happening 
and you need to listen to farmers and their observations and and to veterinary practitioners also yeah, because they see a lot of farms and and so um and then then you start thinking yeah and and sometimes when i just I don't have a, take a lot of time for that, but when when I listen to music or 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 when I go for a walk, eh, the moments that you least expect it, then yeah, you, you get an idea, or the graduate students get an idea, yeah, eh, because that's uh, PhD students. They're they're smart young people, and they they also yeah. come with great ideas, and then we, yeah, then we try to make uh, that happen. Yeah, yeah, and then put that creative idea that comes yeah. from joining up dots to, into a process to test it yeah. yeah 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 then you put it on paper and yeah talk with people about it and then then you make it happen and when you are enthusiastic about something that is important it is not that difficult to convince farmer organizations and and funding agencies of uh, yeah to to come with some money uh, on the table had to to really mm. make it make it happen communicate that passion for the project yeah. yeah yeah and the importance of the potential outcome and in terms of like i guess in terms of the impact that your research has had in in the real world where where do you think you've had the biggest impact so far i that's difficult to say but you know um i think it is important to 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 the big to look at the big picture of why this needs to be done. So, and so I try to help them, yeah, to to make their cows healthier, happier, whatever. Yeah, like I said, whatever that may be. And um, I'm also working on things like outdoor access. Yeah, so how can we, under the circumstances here in Alberta, where we have very short summer, a very short growing season, still have the cows outside? And what effect does that have on disease? So I'm I'm currently working on on that uh, as well. Yeah, so so I try to tackle uh, issues that 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 make the product milk yeah, or beef even more more wanted by uh, by by consumers because these are great, great products but i also do that because i love farmers yeah? and yeah. and I, I want farmers to still be there in in 20 yeah. 25 years and and that they can give their farm to to their children and yeah continue that that community and, and farming will need to evolve but but want to help it yeah. evolve. excellent so with the Plowright Award, obviously that was a, a sum of money for, for doing research. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're planning to, to, to use that award for? We are um, going to do a, and it will be part of a project where we look at the first, the prevalence of uh, infectious diseases in dairy cattle, and then uh, control of these infectious diseases with the farmers and the veterinarians so uh, and when you do that there's a lot of travel involved canada is a huge country uh, alberta mm. is huge so there's a lot of travel cost but also laboratory cost and and i also have a great graduate student uh, who works on that he's from uh, from pakistan uh, wasim shokat 
uh, and he has worked already 10 years in the dairy industry, is very good with farmers, with people. And um, yeah, so he will be also uh, funded by, uh, by this award. And so is that kicking off straight away? Yeah, yeah, it is, is already happening. Fantastic. And uh, you think that will contribute to that broader One Health picture as well? Yeah, uh, with not with all the diseases, but um, some of them. Um, yeah, because some of those diseases and the diseases that we pick are important diseases, and they okay. are or or the important economically. So we look at mastitis and mastitis okay. pathogens, particularly uh, Staph aureus and Mycoplasma. Actually, um, mm -hmm. we look at uh, new uh, spora. Okay. Uh, uh, because it's the most important reason uh, for uh, for abortions in uh, in cattle. Yeah, we look at Salmonella Dublin uh, because that's uh, yeah a disease that they were, so the incidence is really increasing in uh, in Canada, and it's also a zoonotic disease. So uh, then, of course, Joni's disease, which uh, still has its potential zoonotic effect, but but also has a quite an uh, an economic effect on the, on the dairy farms. Yeah, so so those are the, and then we look at leucosis. We still have quite a lot of leucosis uh, here in Canada and, and leptospirosis. And in Alberta, we don't have hard yo like we see in most uh, countries. So we have uh, other uh, species of lepto that we, uh, that we look at. And the yeah. control of that, so we cannot copy the control uh, of Western Europe with lepto here. Yeah, we mm -hmm. really need to look what uh, what it is, and we don't have rats. Yeah, so okay. in okay. in Alberta, that Alberta's rat free. I at first didn't want to believe that, but it's really true. Really? Uh, yeah, the wow. Rocky Mountains stopped the rats at uh, at the western border, and at okay. the eastern border they have a rat patrol, and they check all the farms uh, on the close to the border and. Uh, and make sure that rats don't enter Alberta. And because of that, uh, uh, yeah, the, the grain production is not affected uh, by rats in uh, in Alberta. And it, they, they've wow. told me it may, yeah, it's a difference of 10% that it makes. Makes, wow, that's amazing. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. There's lots of things I don't know, but that's really, that's absolutely yeah. fascinating. Wow. And and yeah, and so with all the diseases you mentioned, yeah, that there's a, a num quite a number of them that have that kind of one health one health dimension, correct? Health yeah. dimension to them. Yeah. And you, when you're recruiting graduate students um, these days, how much of it, uh, or is it predominantly vets that you get as graduate students, or do you have graduate students from across um, the different disciplines? I have quite a number of vets from all over the world. Mm, but also uh, agricultural engineers. Uh, I had an anthropologist um, who finished now, and but then became so interested in uh, in veterinary medicine that she is now studying veterinary medicine at Cornell. Okay. So, um, so an anthropologist is really interesting. They look at uh, disease control uh, from a quite a different angle perspective, yeah? and and so and it's so important when you want to uh, implement disease control programs, you need to know how farmers think and, and, and mm -hmm. what maybe the, the bottlenecks will be 
by, mm. by for adoption of these disease uh, control programs. So they're an anthropologist and also the supervisors, uh, they often, uh, the supervisory committee members that, that we yeah. had with it. That was very interesting to uh, to work uh, with them. Yeah, and and with that, with the vets coming in, do you, are they? Um, is it primarily that they want to have that broader one health impact? You think? Do you think that's um, something that drives a lot of the vets that work with you, or or do you think it's more of the more specific, I guess, animal health focus that they they approach the problem with? They come in with an animal health focus. Uh, they typically have worked a couple of years in practice and yeah. then get interested in, uh, in, in certain diseases and uh, then look up where they could do it and, and then, then find me. And, and uh, yeah, and then but during the whole process, because we have quite a, quite a team, eh? so, uh, so yeah. I, at the moment I have 13 graduate students and a postdoc and they're all part of of a multidisciplinary uh, research group um, and also of One Health at UCalgary where we have a, a grad student uh, chapter, they yeah. became, become more and more interested in, in, in One Health. And what I then often try to do is um, I talk with my human colleagues and they often come to me with, uh, yeah, with a, a disease where they are interested in, where they have data for, but they don't have the epidemiological and biostatistical knowledge to to really look yeah. at that. So then uh, we, yeah, then I team them up with uh, human, uh, typically infectious disease uh, yeah. specialists or gastroenterologists, and and they also do projects in uh, in in that area. And they participate in a summer institute uh, that we, we we just did a two week summer institute uh, where we also had a day. Uh, where uh, four uh, uh, indigenous knowledge keepers uh, came to talk about uh, mm. health from their perspective. And it's amazing how close that actually is to, to one health. And, and they brought four drummers with them. And, and, and it, it, was, it, it was just great. How, and then, then you see how uh, when the, those grad students at first absolutely didn't think about it also because they're from different parts of the world and they yeah. Yeah, didn't have any contact with uh, yeah. with the indigenous peoples here how they yeah yeah start to see the, the big from, picture yeah 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 that's amazing and and i guess looking ahead we've, we've talked about your, your past research a bit and the kind of the research you're doing with the plurite money but other what other areas do you kind of feel passionate that you'd like to explore and have your grad students work with you to explore oh it, it you know it's it's it, it's different from for every graduate student uh, because with every graduate student i try to find out what makes their clock tick and yeah. and then create experiences for them with them uh on on what they do uh, yeah what what they where they want to go because it's an educational uh, process for them of four or five years. I, I I get most you know people is what 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 really drives me and 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 seeing those graduate students going in, in different directions, that I find that most most interesting. But you know uh, yes, uh, with one health, uh, things like climate change and the and the. Uh, yeah, the effect that that it has on everything that we that we do, 
Yeah, and, yeah. and we, yeah, I have three daughters, and and I will want to leave an earth yeah. uh, for them that 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 they, yeah, can live on and have the same experiences, similar experiences that that I had growing up. Yeah. And so, and then also the effect of of global warming on the, yeah, on disease uh, incidents, yeah. Yeah, because we see all kind of diseases coming to. Canada from uh, from from the U.S. but also from other countries uh, because of the, of travel and and uh, yeah bugs don't stop at borders yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so 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 that yeah global warming and and is 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 something that I'm yeah passionate uh, about yeah. And no, no shortage of things to to look at there. Respect no. another three hundred and seventy five papers. <laughs> Yes, it, it it is nice to see it and people read yeah. it, but 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 really, it, it is tackling those those questions, eh? yeah. and and then yeah. Yeah. and yeah. It, it's part of knowledge transfer. Eh? Yeah. It's not not just the manuscripts; it's all also the talks and 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 yeah. you know, I had a great experience when I was in uh, in the UK about seven years ago, I believe, uh, to talk about mastitis with uh, dairy farmers uh, and. And veterinarians on farm, eh? and okay. and they had a great, uh, yeah, great way of doing that. Talking first, uh, giving a yeah presentation. It was a, typically in the waiting room of the milking parlor, and uh, then everybody sat on straw straw bales, and 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 then I gave a presentation on mastitis, and then we did a tour to the farm with the with the farmer and the veterinarian, and 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 about yeah 50 people and and you know th that knowledge transfer and and how to do that is is really really important mm -hmm. and i actually have a project right now on uh, on communication between veterinarians and farmers yeah. uh, we do that uh, it's in belgium that we that, that we do it and we look at different ways of communicating try to look what what kind of communicator is a veterinarian and then try to help them to improve their communication uh, yeah. with the farmers and then we also interview the farmers and and we also then want to look at uh, what the effect is of of the better of the improved communication with the satisfaction of the the farmers oh, so i have a great like graduate student on that she's a veterinarian and uh, a Dutch veterinarian, she is. She now found a job also at Utrecht University, but <laughs> continues her PhD on this. And we work together with, uh, yeah, with Merck and also with Ghent University uh, on on this. Yeah. No. Another. Re that's just another lovely example of that collaboration across different yeah. fields. And we can know as much as we like as vets, but if we can't communicate with the people who are caring for the animals, then um, it. Are not going to be as effective as we might be yeah and when i when i studied veterinary medicine and 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 you know there was not a lot of uh, teaching about communication yeah no and that is it is changing and continues to change but still yeah. still so much to learn <laughs> yeah well, I think we're, we're probably coming towards the end of our chat now. It's actually been really, really lovely to chat to you and explore your career and just, I think, the, the diversity of projects that you've worked on and uh, collaborated you've had, I think, is, is just absolutely, absolutely ins inspirational. And then to hear about what you're still doing and will continue to do is, is amazing. I guess just as a final question, if you 
we're talking to the the 20 or the 32 year old Herman now starting out on a career in research and infectious disease what would what would your top words of advice be oh keep your eyes open for opportunities that that is that don't think of of what your cv will be or 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 uh, and have fun have fun <laughs> with working and 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 you know and and think it's all about people so build yeah i never thought conscientious i never thought about building networks or anything like that but when, when you love working with people that automatically happens um and and you know work with people around you when you are in a practice go to the the gp the the, the family the family practitioner and and have a chat about what diseases they see and 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 get to know each other and and when you are in academia yeah look don't be afraid to go as a veterinarian to to people in human health they love it they love they love working uh, with you and also talk with people in the lab so have fun uh, keep your eyes open for op- opportunity and take risks yeah don't don't be too careful just wise words communicate and collaborate yeah exactly amanda that's and enjoy it yeah and enjoy it yeah because you know in my position i am so privileged i can do you know they give me all the freedom to 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 do all these these things yeah Yeah, that that is and when when i see other people working and Oh, and think of when the heck they can retire and yeah. whatever. I, I, I don't want to retire. Why? Well, we don't want you to retire either. No. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been absolutely inspirational talking to you. Um, many congratulations on your, your career and all you have achieved. And congratulations again on, on winning our Plurite Award. I said an inspirational recipient that you are. And it's been absolutely lovely chatting with you. Thank you, Herman. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, and also your organization for uh, yeah, giving me this, uh, this, uh, this acknowledgement of, of actually uh, multidisciplinary research. Yeah, I think that is inspirational for a lot of people that are in my position. It's not just uh, the inventions uh, in the lab, eh, but it's really uh, yeah, working together. So thank you very much for that. And it has been a pleasure uh, meeting all of you in, uh, in London, actually. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast from RCVS Knowledge. To learn more about the Plowright Prize, visit rcvsknowledge.org forward slash plowright.